This podcast is brought to you by, by, by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets. Welcome to the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. My name is Natim Tekwe, and as always, I'm happy that you are able to join us again for another episode. Today, we're talking to Sihek Belichana, who is the program coordinator at the Civic Tech Innovation Network. She is a social justice activist, a researcher, and a social entrepreneur. Uh, she'll be talking to us about the Civic Tech Innovation Forum, which happened between the 13th and the 17th of September this year. We are going to be looking at some highlights from the conference. Uh, joining us to do this is Melissa Zisangwe, who is uh, my guest host today. Uh, hi, Mel. Hi, Matthew. All right. Nice to have you here uh, joining me on another podcast episode. Hi, Sikla. How are you doing? Hi, Nati. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I'm very well and excited for this episode. How are you? Um, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so Sika recently joined us at, at CTRN and we're so happy to have the here to, to share some of uh, some of reflections uh, on the conference. Uh, but before we go there, Sika, I would like to talk to you about, uh, about you and, and your work as an activist uh, in, in South Africa. Uh, could you tell us a, a little bit about your history in, in activism and, and what attracted you to start working a, as an activist in, in the first place? Growing up in South Africa and particularly in the rural Eastern Cape, I think many of us can kind of have the sense that activism and claiming it um, was not always easy. I think many of us growing up didn't necessarily have the language and terminology to locate that our quiet acts of defiance and resistance were actually so much uh, a part of this larger form of activism and people kind of pushing against what was not right and wasn't just. And I think I'd always been drawn to fighting for, for people, for rights, but also, again, for what I thought was just and particularly having a legal framework um, and, and something that backed why those actions were needed really gave me so much more empowerment. And so when I was in varsity and decided to start studying justice and transformation, I think that's really where my love for advocacy and, and activism was really cemented. Uh, I then went on to join Equal Education, which was a youth-led and kind of yeah membership-based um, organization that really championed education rights in South Africa. And in my role as parliamentary officer, I really was at such a, a beautiful and prestigious position to kind of represent the members who are high school learners who formed part of the, you know, the core base of the organization and really push forward that it doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, that in a legal framework and in a system and particularly a democratic system, you know, your needs should be held. And in that time, we used parliamentary advocacy as the tool in which we kind of made state heads and various organs of the state aware of what those needs were and to really push for that change. So that, I would say briefly, is kind of my little story of how I got to, to where I am. With your work with the equal education, I mean, do you have any lessons that you learned? I mean, because I, I know that, uh, as you're saying now, you might have had some hand in influencing policymakers in parliament, right? What sort of lessons lessons did you learn about the importance of, of activists, especially activists working with people in power to, to make things happen? 
So I think one of the biggest lessons was that you can't do it alone and you need to occupy the spaces in which you are hoping to effect that change or make that impact. So being able to work on the ground with students and sometimes teachers and their parents meant that we were not misconstruing anything that we then took to parliament or that we were going to be representing them on. So as a mouthpiece for the people that you are representing, you need to be there, you need to know directly from them, and that then needs to inform whatever the narrative will be that you take forward. And I think that also applies being in parliament, right? So we needed to actively occupy that space. And some of the successes I was able to bring in that space was, you know, getting us to present some of our research in parliament. I don't think there's anything I've been more prouder of because you basically really need to also fight to then be recognized. So when we occupy the space, parliamentary meetings are really open to anyone. You can come and attend and sit in, but really having speaking rights is something that the chairperson then invites you to do. You know, you're not necessarily subject to speak by being in the room. The space is still a a proceeding, and so it has certain rules that govern it. And so I worked really hard to secure a meeting, firstly with the chair, to kind of explain why the work we were doing was important, but also necessarily why it needed to be documented as as part of public record that our organizations that are doing this work, these are the findings And this is how they should take it forward. And really that garnered so much interest, particularly from some members of parliament who were then also championing those subject matters in their areas and in some of the constituents that they represented. I think I would also say another lesson is that change takes time. That is um, that's a recurring theme and a point specifically in like civic and social justice activism is that you are quickly able to kind of see and determine um, what the issue is, but really working to change things like structural injustices takes time. And even from a legal perspective, when we used to make submissions on policy amendments, it takes a rigorous amount of research going back and forth in terms of, you know, submitting your, your version of amendments, but also then engaging with whichever you know state of the organ is then responsible to carry those forward and you can imagine like a piece of paper and then turning that into action something that is tangible and visible to the person who's on the ground making sure that a school is built or making sure that it has access to scholar transport or that sanitation issues are taken care of really was a mammoth of a task. So I think, if anything, activism and advocacy is really the long game. You mm-hmm. are quietly chipping away at the the barriers to entry and the challenges you're finding along the way. I'm sure it, it must have been interesting at the CTIF having to meet some people from across the continent who are activists like you and are making things uh, happen uh, wherever they are and using tech as a way of of making things happen? Yes, completely. So I think 
I'm more new to the tech aspect of civic activism, but it's also not something that's common. I mean, that's so different that I hadn't encountered it in 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 what activism I'd done before, and particularly engaging with activists from the continent. I think is such a beautiful beautiful experience because we're all really fighting the same battle and that there are things we can learn from each other. So experience is something that can benefit someone else. It stops us from really reinventing the wheel, but also um, from making the same mistakes. I mean, we had over, yeah, we had about 600 people who registered to participate and attend the session. So you can imagine just a variety and the range of people who were there. We also had um, people joining us from Mozambique, Uganda, Kenya, Zimbabwe, and um, while South Africa would naturally have quite um, a strong hold and visibility in the space, I think it is just as beautiful to note that we are not the only people represented, you know, in the conference and in the space. And that's really great. And I think just from a CTIN perspective, that's something that we're really looking forward to doing, kind of spreading our reach um, Mm. within the continent because each time we come across new innovators, new people in the space that are coming up with even better tools or Mm. using existing tools and, and being more effective and efficient in how we apply pressure and leverage that to to make the change that we we want to see. And and I'm sure when you attended some of these sessions, there's so many eye openers in in terms of the the challenges that people are facing in their context and in their countries. Are there any things that that stuck out for you, especially at at these different sessions that, that you were attending? Yeah, there were many, many lessons. I think also as someone who was new to the team and got to freshly experience the CTIF, it was such a beautiful experience, not only being there, someone to learn, but also really seeing the work that goes into making a conference like this happen. I think first and foremostly, just the ability of CTIM to convene so many different people and hold this space of learning, sharing um, and knowledge and the experience is just amazing. Mm. The highlights were undoubtedly the opening and the closing sessions, just because of the caliber of speakers we had um, and the insights that they had to share with us, but more so also the other sessions. Um, I think I was in a session around AIs and journalism, And I found that so interesting because it wasn't anything that I'd thought was possible or even ever thought about. And I think the main concern that, you know, was in the room and in the discussions was about whether introducing AIs doesn't, you know, kind of override and take over the role of the people who are in journalism. And I think what came out was that it's really just used as a tool to enhance journalists' ability to further interrogate um, and research. Um, There was also the African Urban Innovation Session, which was touching on really the build and how we view cities in Africa. I think there was a topic that came up around, you know, kind of digital cities and 
And really, it's something that we have to balance because, as we know, within the civic tech space, there's an inherent um, urban and rural digital divide, right? So if we are reimagining African cities that incorporate tech um, and use tech innovations in in civic um, duties, then what does that look like for people who don't necessarily have access to data whose lives may be interrupted by some of these changes that we envision and we want to see, right? So Mm. for anything that we do, I think there's always a responsibility behind it, right? So civic tech and using that and developing it responsibly so that you're never leaving anyone behind. And I think a session on future of civic tech financing and sustainability really also stood out for me. The question that is always, you know, like, was it the chicken that came first or was it the egg that came first? The role of funders in obviously kind of supporting civic tech innovations and resourcing them, but really what happens beyond that period? How do organizations continue with their work? Um, And what does sustainability in the field really look like if we are not only to be dependent on funders? And you know what what is interesting, and I'm going to bring you in here, Mel, as well, because I know that this is a a project that we're very interested in having these um, tech initiatives documented, etc. So we had these hangouts uh, that we had uh, every end of the day. Uh, we would ha- hang out with these uh, social entrepreneurs, uh, these innovators who came to just share what they, they were doing in, in 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 the civic tech space. Do you guys have any ha- any 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 highlights that? Uh, that you might have taken from uh, from that from those hangout sessions. I'll start with you, Mel. I think the biggest one for us as CTIN was our work is important. You know, you you put on these big conferences, but you go to the smaller sessions, and then you realize how important those small open spaces are. A lot of them, it said, these kinds of intimate sessions allowed or enabled them to actually connect with other African innovators that didn't know existed. People were exchanging emails, people were talking business opportunities, uh, collaborations, and that's why we do this. Um, Mm. Because there's no other platform in Africa that's enabling the community that's doing this kind of work to come together, to talk to each other, to talk through the challenges share tips um, and stop reinventing the wheel as Sikhe put it earlier. So I think that was one of the highlights, but also the second one is just that it was really fun. You know, you spend the whole day talking about big concepts, talking about all these issues and how we tackle them. But this kind of space, people just came together and we just talked. Uh, And I think that kind of reflection is very important in the work that we do because sometimes we do forget that we're human. And we sometimes we just need to sit down and talk to each other. So I think that I completely agree with Melissa around the importance of the work and really just recognizing, again, that ability of CTIN to convene these spaces and bring different innovators together. And some of the innovations I think that stood out was the VESA online tool by Corruption Watch, which helps um, South Africans kind of track any acts of corruption that they come across on a platform. There was also Tolana Online, which came up as a solution to the recent unrest that we experienced in South Africa. And so it was able to quickly map which areas were probably high risk and in which there was active, you know, um, 
unrest happening. And I think also lastly, the tablet communitario, um, which was a, a tool used, I think, in Mozambique to kind of get learning into communities and rural communities specifically that has a tablet and it's very interactive and kind of bringing that digital element to, you know, rural schools. And really what I thought in that moment was that, first of all, Africans are so innovative. We know how to think about solutions, sorry, how to address challenges in our communities. And it really is a nuanced thing. You know, you can't sometimes think about a solution to a context you haven't experienced. And I think that's why the theme of DIY Africa was so important just that we hold the power, we have the ideas without also negating the role of different stakeholders, that there is still a place for what you can contribute and what change and impact you can make. And, and I did say that earlier on uh, in the podcast that you, you just joined us, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious to know what you, you're looking forward to, you know, as we go forward uh, in the year and, and many years to come, I suppose. I think I always consider myself to be an eternal student. And my first thing is to continue learning, continue learning about civic tech, continue learning about our members and network. And I really think that that doesn't happen without engaging actively. Um, which is why our case studies and research are such an important aspect of our work, because while there are many people doing various things, we still need to come together and consolidate that information and learn and and absorb. Um, On what to expect, I think that is such a loaded question, but really, I think some of the things I've picked up on are really about championing awareness around civic tech innovations that exist across the continent. We've seen the value of that already just from CTIF. So really learning more and and, and also shining the spotlight on those organizations and on those innovations that are making an impact. Mm. I think the next thing which goes in tandem with that necessitates reach, necessitates CTIN growing its community within the continent um, visibility does not exist without that growing community. So firstly, that we are aware as a community of other actors and highlighting them within the space. And then I think lastly, sustainability, that we always have the end in mind, right? So we are working to grow the space that it can exist not only today, but beyond, you know, and how How do we work around that? How do we keep innovations relevant? But also how do we keep ourselves able to, you know, to do the work um, and to to keep being the only network in Africa that does what it does? If you were not uh, present at any of the hangout sessions or at the sessions really at the CTIF, we we will be putting up these the sessions on our YouTube channels. Do check out uh, those. And I know that um, the exhibitions are available, uh, Melissa. Yes, um, the exhibitions are available, but are not as of right now. Club system, you need to register to the Wolver platform. Uh, however, we are working on uh, taking all the exhibitions and putting them on our legacy webpage on the CTIN website in the next few weeks. 
So we can look out for that. We will make an announcement about it when we have got it <laughs> done. Right. Yeah. So check out uh, Civic Tech World Africa to see uh, those initiatives and, and those exhibitions. Also check out uh, some case studies on there as well uh, that we've uh, accumulated over the years. So uh, I'm sure there are young innovators who are listening to us now, uh, Mel and Ntise, uh, who are facing challenges uh, in their innovation journey. Uh, who, who are activists wherever they are, and they're trying to create solutions, right, for their context. Uh, do you guys have any words of wisdom for them uh, in terms of what they should be doing uh, as they face their challenges uh, right now? Um, sure. I, I, I'm not an innovator myself, mm. but I think from the perspective of what we do, my number one tip would be learn from others. Come to these kinds of engagements you know, put together your own kind of engagements, but try to network and learn from these people that have done it. Uh, even those that have failed, there's a lot of civic tech in Africa that has not gone anywhere, but it saved its purpose. There are a lot of lessons in the space that you can take from these and run with, with your own project. So I think that's a big thing that we really need to encourage in the space, this kind of peer-to-peer learning so that we're not just working in silos we need to learn from each other and make sure that we're actually uh you know changing (laughs) um our continent we can't just say we're working we're doing we're innovating but what is it that we're doing when we come together these kinds of uh impactful changes that we we aim to do need to make sure that you know they're there and we can see them they are we're adding value to the community essentially we need to pay attention to those that have come before and to right. make sure that we listen to what they're saying, uh, take their lessons and run with those. I think mine is pretty simple and straightforward. Start with what you have and where you are. When we think about innovating and creating solutions, sometimes it's so easy to mirror what we have seen instead of really using, you know, our ability to be creative with where we are. And there's a space for every solution. There's a space for every idea. And like Mel said, you know, not every civic tech innovation has taken off or been the star of the show, but it served its purpose. And so starting within your context and where you are means that you can build as you learn and as you gain access to the peer-to-peer learning and you refine. I do think we need, as not we, but as innovators, African innovators, they need to go where the people are or where the right. community is. So if you want to solve an issue for a com- in your local community and you're wondering how do you get these people engaged using technology, what technologies are they already using? Do not mm. go and... Um, build your own app without doing this kind of research. You need to put in the work to figure out what is it the people that need and where are they already? What are they already doing and what can you add? You're not just coming in and being a savior for these people. You're trying to help them already because I'm pretty sure in these communities, there are a lot of activists that are already doing something. I don't even know if activists is the correct word. Sometimes they're just people, regular people that are just working towards something to fix their communities. So I go to these kinds of communities and do some research before you build your app, before you start your Facebook group or your WhatsApp group. I don't know what it is, but we need to invest to figure out 
what is it that we're trying to do and how do we achieve it and make sure that we bring value to the communities. Now I want to take some time to thank all of you who joined us at the Civitech Innovation Forum this year. I want to assure you that we're definitely going to be doing this again next year. We love seeing uh, all these unique initiatives at the various uh, exhibitions, at the events, and we definitely love hearing from activists, researchers, journalists, and so many civic actors from across the continent. Uh, so do join us again when we do this next year. We'll be right back. on innovation comes from Charles Eagle. He says, getting things done is better than having things perfect. Done is better than perfect. Whatever you have in your hands, get going with it. Just do it. That's your innovation thought for the day. We'll be back right after this. That concludes this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast. And please see the episode description for all the places you can follow and engage with the Civic Tech Innovation Network. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vets.